Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. All right, you're now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 286. It was the weekend of Wembo. We break down the first three days of the NBA Summer League in Vegas. And we know it's been a few days since we dropped our last podcast, so we have so much free agency news. We break down every trade that is relevant. I'm stoked that Russ is back with the Clippers, and Drew gives the Lakers an A in free agency. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 286. This is a rerun. We're doing this one again because <laughs> we tried to record on Saturday after uh, Wimbo's first game, and we had major technical difficulties. It was just we didn't want to put out a shit product, so we, we shut, shut it down halfway through. Drew is getting frustrated with the Wi-Fi connection, so we said <laughs> we're just going to shut it down. We'll do this again on Monday after we get another couple games um, under our belt. But I just want to jump right into this past weekend, the weekend of Wembo, the Wembenyama weekend, the Hit Me Wembo One More Time weekend, whatever you want to call it, NBA Summer League. We got two games of Wembo, and we, we were going to completely overreact after the first game. We were going to call that the, the episode that we shot on, on Saturday our complete overreaction episode. I'm glad we didn't, Drew. Because after uh, the underwhelming performance from Wembo on Saturday, or excuse me, on Friday, um, he came back last night with a with a really good game. 27 points, 12 boards. Uh, we were a little, again, underwhelmed with the first game. Looked like he was getting bullied around a lot. There were some glaring issues uh, with uh, his toughness, how strong he's going to be in the paint. There were some flashes of like, oh, shit, this guy can really pass the rock. And, you know, he was blocking three-pointers, which was really impressive. But then we kind of got to see the the full bag last night, the step-back tweens, jumpers. We saw uh, there was a touch, uh, a rebound dunk <clears throat> that was super impressive to me. Um, but being that I've been to a lot of summer league games, I think the most impressive thing about this weekend is just the hype how many people are there to, for him specifically mm -hmm. um, and the, the fact that NBA con is there, but you know, just the presence of Wimbo, there's something about seeing seven foot four, seven foot five people <laughs> in general. Um, and it's like, they're watching something they've never seen before, but I, I was impressed with last night's game. I'm glad he had a comeback game because we were a little worried after the first one. What was your takeaway from at least Wimbo's first two games? Yeah, well, the first one was about as bad as it could be, unfortunately, <laughs> for the megastar in the I was being nice, Drew. I was being nice. <laughs> yeah, but it really was. I mean, two for 13, uh, and some of the shots that he took were open and were not good-looking shots. Uh, he looked slow. He looked off the pace. He looked light. Uh, mm -hmm. All of the all of the red flags, and there wasn't many around Victor Wenbanyama. 
but all of the ones that were there, even though they may have been small flags, really stuck their 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 the poles in the air, if you will. Uh, and then the second game was a great redemption game, right? Second game was like, all right, everybody, let's take a deep breath. Uh, <laughs> let's let's actually let this 19 year old kid kind of come into his own and and play with this brand new set of players for the second time and in an arena where, like you said, everyone is there for him. Everyone's there for him. And there's been other players that have done really well, other players that, uh, you know, have really big names uh, and including, you know, this rookie class that have done pretty well. And I know we'll talk about those guys too, but yeah, man, I, I'm really glad that he got a second chance, right? Cause, and, and, and that the second chance went as well as it did. Um, because after that first one, I know a lot of people, including you and I, when we tried to do this on Saturday, were going to be like, holy shit, like, what the hell is going on with this kid? Why isn't he ready? And it really, like, the thing that it took me to was my whole sentiment about Victor Wembanyama this summer was that the Spurs should not play him in summer league. That's what I had said to you uh, off the podcast. And then I think even a couple times when we talked about it on the podcast, I would not have played Victor Wembanyama in the summer league. You all, uh, you and me and everyone else wanted to see him there, of course. But I just, I thought it would be like a hindrance to his development. And game one kind of proved my point. Game two was the reason why he does play and he gets to show off his talent. But when I think about the reasons why he shouldn't play, there's a couple of them that, that I'll just list real quickly. The first is obviously injury. You don't want this guy to get injured in a fucking nonsense summer league game where he's going up against guys that are playing for their lives. They're playing for their contracts. They're playing for their ability to be professional basketball players that are not going to be intimidated by this fucking guy. All of these guys are either journeymen uh, who or who are scrapping for their last opportunity to potentially break into the NBA or the ones that didn't get drafted or recently drafted that are trying to prove to themselves and to the world and to their organizations that they're good, that they that they should be signed up, that they that the organizations made the right draft picks, uh, and they're all fighting for you know relatively small spots. Reason number three is the 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 style of play that the summer league requires is not the style of play that Victor will be playing in in NBA games. They will have coaching that is better. They will have sets that are better to get Victor the, the ball in spots to, for him to operate with obviously higher level players around him. So it's not as easy to just go ahead and double or triple team Victor Wenbanyama uh, when you're in a pro setting, when you have guys on his team that have to be respected uh, by other NBA defenses. So I just, I thought it was a risk to have Victor be out there. Number one for injury, as I mentioned, but just also because, you know, one of those one of those poor games can happen to anybody, but especially your first four way into the NBA when the whole world is watching. Uh, and it did seem to me like he was nervous as well. So it's just uh, one of those things where I wouldn't have done it. I would have waited until the actual NBA preseason started to to give him his debut. Uh, but I, I get it, and I'm happy that he got the redemption in game two. Yeah, and I'm on the other spectrum of that. I thought they should he def definitely should have been playing in summer league. I remember talking to Bobby Hurley, you know, a few weeks ago and he's like there's no way he's playing. I'm like, dude, I think he's going to play. Yeah. And then I saw Bobby yesterday and I'm like, yo, I told you. And he's like, I cannot <laughs> believe they're playing him. Um well, he shut know, down now too. Like that's it. It's over now. Yeah, it's so over. That, it, the experience is over. We got to see two games out of Wimbo. 
and they're going out on a high and they're not going to let him have a, another game where it's shaky. Uh, so I think that's also smart. And I think perhaps the Spurs are like, all right, maybe we don't need to keep pushing this. Right no, now. if you take both games and average them out, you're like, okay, it was a decent summer league for, right. for Wembo. It was decent, minus the Britney Spears yeah, slap. Yeah, 16 and points that, a that, game. Yeah, the yeah. Britney Spears, oh my God. Unbelievable. That's not the way to start. Like Your intro to casual NBA fans, especially the female base, is not going to be – it's not your best intro when you just wake up one morning. And it was the most confusing thing in the world. I wake up one morning and you see – Victor Wembanyama slaps Britney Spears and you're like, what the hell is going on? And then it was completely blown out of proportion. Um, Britney, out of all people, should know not to run up on people, uh, especially she's been raised in the spotlight with paparazzis. Just don't run up on anybody, even in real life. Just don't run up on people and tap them. Shit's going to happen. To what you were saying, though, about, you know... um, all these people playing for contracts, which is true. That's that's the the reason why I love NBA Summer League so much is that some NBA players are made in the Summer League. They finally get their right. shot, their breakout. But the other thing is, these dudes get 10 fouls. So there's yeah. zero fucks given uh, if Wembo comes into the paint. They're, right. they're going to smack the shit out of you. Some people are fouling out. The, the one glaring issue that we had both noticed was like, okay, he's getting bullied down there. Like when he's dribbling into the paint, there's a lot of hands in the paint. Uh, he he dribbles low, which is really impressive. I think that uh, he might fall in love with the three point shot when he's getting touched in the paint a lot. And for for people that just watch highlight tapes, yes, he can shoot three pointers, but he shot twenty seven and a half percent. Like he's not a great three point shooter. Right. I think he can be in a couple years. Um, but uh, in general, I thought it was I thought it was great. I think Pop resigning for five years, which was kind of expected. I, you know, he's been talking retirement for a minute now. And I think once you get Wimbo on your team and you understand that, like you, you would be the best person to mentor him. I mean, the group around Wimbo is so perfect. I don't know if it would be the same if he's in Charlotte or if he's in Portland or if he's in like, this is the perfect situation uh, for Wimbo. So uh, taking the two games into context, I'm I'm happy he played. I'm happy he put on a, a show in Vegas. Uh, I, I also think the NBA really kind of wanted to push him to play there too. You know, they're trying to get an NBA team there. This NBA con was going on. The fans, you know, came out to show their support. I thought it was overall uh, a good experience. I also think it's great that they shut him down, right? There's no reason <laughs> to play anymore. Okay, let's yeah. go back. Let's, let's get back in the lab with Timmy D and let's work on uh, on some shit. Because I think there's a even take takeaways from those two games. We're like, OK, there are some things that we're going to really need to work on. And to what you said too, like, wait till you have a, a real point guard that can actually like get get you the ball in the spots that you want it. Um, you know, the working plays focused on you, you know, sets focused on you and not just this street ball up and down AAU type of game. So uh, overall, wh- on one to 10, what are we giving Wembo? Six and a half, seven for, for the two games? Yeah, I, I would say seven is fine. I mean, look, okay. I, if you average it out, what has he got? You got 38 points over two games, so 16 points a game is not terrible. And he probably had, what, 20 rebounds? So uh, 10, 16 and 10, that's not terrible. I, I would even bump that up to an eight, except for the fact that game one looks so bad. It just looked terrible. Do you and have the so, do you have the sound on in the games? Do you have the sound on when you're watching the games or not? Like the broadcast? Yeah, like the, every shot, not that just that Wimbo shot, but anybody. Like the rim was making so much noise. It was a real <laughs> dead rim to me. I, I I thought they needed to get a screwdriver up there and tighten it up. That was just something I noticed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, so but I would yeah seven and a half, maybe even an eight for for I Wimbo. Did, 
There um, wasn't there was a wide open air ball three yeah. that I noticed. There were oh, yeah. free throw free throw shootings not that great, but again, it's got to be hard when you're seven five with hands like that to shoot free throws. Shaq had the same issue, um, so I, I think he can get better at that as well. Well, yeah, and and I'll just say this too, like going going on your point on on the way that summer league is played. This is probably those those two games are probably the fastest two games that Victor has ever played in. Just the speed of the game. And I'm sure he noticed that in in game one. And I think he adapted a little bit better in game two, just with the speed of movement, the speed of the players, uh, all of that stuff. It And uh, so I do think that was a good reason to get him out there. Let's see how he can handle the difference of speed between what the French league experience was mm-hmm. and what this is here in summer league. Um and yeah, look, I think all of the things that he will improve upon will be number one will be his jump shot. I think that's gonna get improve uh you know year in and year out. And of course his size, he's gonna fill out naturally being in the NBA as we expect. I don't think he's gonna ever turn into some muscular, you know, Giannis kind of player. I don't ever see that happening for him because he's just too tall and too lanky. But we could see him add a couple pounds here and there in the next couple years, and then he'll be able to hold his own. But the key takeaway for me is that he cannot be right now, at least for the you know next one, two, three years, an NBA center. And I know that there was a potential for him to be the five. And when you look at a guy that size, you go, why, why can't he be the five? I don't think he's there yet. I think he needs help on the boards, and that's where Zach Collins and some of the other guys on, on the San Antonio Spurs are going to have to help him. They're going to need to play him with some bigger guys so that he can have some room to operate on the perimeter on the offense and then options to help him <laughs> rebound the ball and defend well on the defensive end. So he doesn't have to go uh, and try to uh, uh, do post defense against a bigger, stouter guy who can just literally mull him over, knock him down and then dunk on him. So that's the biggest hit takeaway from me is that the kid's obviously very skilled. I think his feel for the game is good. His skill set is good. His passing was nice. And just naturally, he knows how to play the game. It's just going to take him a little while to get up to speed. Yeah, I was also noticing he, he communicating with his teammates a lot. You know what I mean? A lot of high fives, a lot of conversations going on. Um, one scary thing, though, like he took one rough spill. Yeah. Um, and, and then there was his one, elbow. Yeah. And then there was one where he was going for a ball and one of the players came in and kind of took his legs out from under yep. him. And I think a lot of that's like, that's the scary shit. Yep. To me. Um, Which is why I wouldn't have played him in the summer league. In the summer league too, because again, <laughs> the, some some players are playing extra and will die for that ball. But but also to that, like guys, when you're playing in the league, guys like Pat Bev and Russ yep. and Marcus Smart and guys like that, like they're going to be doing that kind of thing, not to take your legs out, but they're going to be diving for ball. Dylan Brooks, or they're going to be diving for balls. They're, he's going to have to be careful with all that since he doesn't have a lot of muscle on him and whatnot. I'm just really excited to see this season uh, for him. I hope he stays healthy the whole season. Um, I want to see his progression this season. I think, again, working with Pop and working with his core guys and having Tim Duncan and stuff. But, th- again, this isn't going to be an overnight thing. This guy's not going to be a 30 and, and 20 guy no. uh, for uh, in, in the foreseeable future. This is going to be a project. It's going to be a three-, four-, five-year project. Um, but you're going to see glimpses of why this guy was taken number one. But I want to talk about number two. I want to talk about my guy, Scoot. <laughs> you know I love me some Scoot. You want to talk about a guy that like came ready to play. And unfortunately, he did get hurt in his first game. <laughs> that's, but, the, that's the craziest part is like Victor somehow avoids injury. And Scoot, the guy who looks like a fucking linebacker, does. injures his shoulder. 
He does, man. I don't know another 20-year-old that fills out an NBA jersey like that guy. That dude is just ready. And I'm just going to stick to my guns and both of our guns. Actually, we watch the draft live. And though though we do like Brandon Miller, I just think Michael Jordan really effed this one up big time. Because Scoot is the guy. Scoot is going to come out there and play his ass off. Um, he's going to, he's ready. The guy's going to be a gym rat. Um, I, I, we still don't know where Dame's going to be. I want to talk about Dame here in a minute, but more focused on scoot, his aggression during the game, his ability to get past defenders, how he finishes at the rim, his go, his motor, his focus. Like this guy is just a, he's a hooper. And I think no matter what team he's on, he's going to make them better. I think people are going to want to play with him. But I was really impressed with Scoot. I was li- really impressed with Amen, who got hurt too mm-hmm. uh, uh, for for Houston. We'll, we'll talk about Jabari here in a minute. But those were the two most impressive guys to me. Amen, I hadn't watched enough. I haven't seen enough of him. I've read a lot about him. But when you finally get to see him, you're like, oh, okay, that's why he went so high in the draft. His ability to finish at the rim with the with uh, the opposite hand, his quickness, getting past defenders, really impressed by him. What was your takeaway from Scoot? And I'm in. Yeah, I you know Scoot, I think showed out really well before the injury. My biggest concern for Scoot is how how small he is, right? Conversely to Victor, where he he might be too big. Victor might be too big to play. Scoot's a little too small for me, and I can see why certain teams would have chosen Brandon Miller over Scoot. Brandon's the prototypical looking NBA prospect, right? Great size, good skill set, good athleticism. And I think Scoot will overcome his, you know, the fact that he's a little shorter, but when you, when I just like looked at him out there on the court, I'm like, "Man, he that's going to be a challenge for him." And you know, I know that he's played in the G League for 2 years and there's no shortage of tall dudes in the G League. But there is a shortage of tall, skilled, athletic big dudes in the G League compared to the NBA. So I think what I'm going to be looking out for him is, number one, his shot, his jump shot. I think that's a that's a very, very important thing for him to improve upon. Because as we know, if you can if you can shoot the ball well enough for people to respect it, they have to come out and that, get, and that allows him to put the ball on the floor to get by those guys even faster and even quicker to the rack. And his athleticism, I think, will be a huge component of him overcoming his size. I think the kid's going to be rock solid in the NBA. But when I think about his career long term, that's just going to be something that he's going to have to adjust. And I think he has all the tools and the skill set and the mindset and all that good stuff to overcome the fact that he's only six foot two. And with the position that he plays and the way that he plays the game as well, uh, I I think he's he's going to be able to hit the ground running. And that is regardless of whether or not Damian Lillard is the other guard on the floor, if it's Anthony Simons or anyone else. And Shaden Sharp, I actually think, has been very impressive as well in the summer league for the Blazers, too, his teammate. Uh, But I I do like Scoot's game. I do. I think he's ready to roll. I think the G League has put him in a good spot to where he, you know, Victor seemed nervous out there most of game one and even parts of game two of the summer league. There, I, there was no nerves from Scoot, Scoot that I saw. Right. Not even a little bit of nerves. Mm. Uh, dude was ready. And mm. he's the kind of guy that you go, let's put him in summer league. Let's just show everyone how good he is. Let's show all of our, all the people on our team, into, including Damian Lillard, how good he is. Um, that, it makes all the sense in the world to get him going. Same thing with Brandon Miller. Same thing with the Thompson twins. Those guys, it's like, cool. Like, let's let's let let's see what they can do. And of course... It, mentioning Brandon Miller, he had probably 
the worst couple of starts to his summer league experience other than Victor's first game. And I think for him, it there, there's a there's a huge question mark with Brandon Miller now for me. It's like these are the these are the types of games where he should be as as the number two overall pick, like kind of dominating or at least, you know, establishing the fact that he's going to be in control of the game from from the Charlotte Hornets perspective. And he is not. He's not making good shots. He's not making good decisions. He had eight fouls in one game. Uh, and, and as as you mentioned, there's like a there's a, a ten you have ten fouls per player in the summer league, which is crazy. Um, the way that the way that I would rank the top three picks and how they've done, Scoot number one, even though he got injured and only played whatever short amount of minutes, and then Victor and then Brandon Miller would be how I would rank those three guys based on their performances. Even though I think Brandon Miller got the better of, of Victor Wembanyama in that debut there in that game one. It still wasn't that impressive, no, for me. Uh, so that's that's kind of how I think about those top three, and I think the Thompson twins are going to do just fine. Uh, but the 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 shining star, and you touch it on it, is Jabari Smith. Mm-hmm. Jabari uh, looks like a guy who's out to become the MVP of the summer league. It looks like that's his mission. Looks like that might have been the Houston Rockets' mission as well to get him in scoring positions, get him featured throughout the offense, and I think he's taken that on. You know, beautifully. I I think for Jabari, that was a rough, really rough rookie year. A lot of you know disorganization on that sideline. Shitty team, man. It's a shitty, shitty team, team. Uh, and a lot of finger pointing, and, and they were supposed to lose, and it's just like a bad situation for anybody, but especially a rookie, like a highly touted rookie, to go into that situation and also kind of flounder. And you can't. I don't blame him for floundering because the whole organization was just in this weird space. They're still in a weird space right now. Well, they're, they're in a they're in a weird space. We'll talk about the moves that they made. <laughs> I don't know how much better they got with those moves, but they made some moves and they put some money out on, in in the world of the NBA, and they're, they're going to get some guys in there. But Jabari should be definitely the starting small forward, power forward, whatever they want to do for the Houston Rockets, and I think he's looking really good. I think it's a huge boost of confidence for that guy. Well, I think we're, we see this with summer league guys, the second year guys that have one year under yeah. the belt, understanding the the you know what it takes to be in the NBA, the grind, the flying, the traveling, the the communication with teammates, the beef with teammates. You you kind of get that off your shoulder, and then you get to go into summer league and really showcase. You know, you get all the minutes that you want. You get to showcase your talents and what to do. We saw it with Shade and Sharp. Uh, Kai Jones, we're seeing it with Jabari Smith, who dropped 38 last night and looked fantastic. These are the things that you want going into the next NBA season. Like he's proving to, I mean, Ime has been there watching him the whole time. He's probably yep. salivating right now. Like, shit, this should be the guy. It's not Jalen Green. It's not going to be Fred Van Vliet. It's this guy we need to run our offense from. But the reason why I was saying is that the team is still a shit show is because they have so many talented young players that kind of all play the same position yeah. and either they, they need to make more moves or really figure out how they're going to do this because they are athletically gifted. They do have talent on that team. I said last year going into last season, you know, during the summer, like I was going to be watching Houston because of the KPJs and because of Jabari Smith and because of Jalen Green. And now when you're bringing in new vets as, as you know, Fred Van Vliet, which we'll talk about, Dylan Brooks, all these guys, they have an opportunity to really kind of build something there. And if Jabari keeps playing like this, 
you know, there was a lot of talk last year. I had Jabari Smith going number one. Most people, you included, thought Paolo should, and he definitely should have, right? Especially if you compare Jabari and Paolo's rookie season. But we're seeing why he was talked about of being the number one pick, the possibility of him being the number one pick because he can shoot, he is confident, he's aggressive, but he has stood out the most 100% to me. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the shooting has been tremendous. I mean, he hit that crazy 0. 0.6 mm. second buzzer beater to to close out the game uh in a in a great in a great fashion and run down the court. So I, all good stuff for him. All good stuff for him. I think they're turning a new leaf in Houston. I will be curious as you mentioned though to see like who the fuck's going to be on the court for that team? Cuz <laughs> you know, you you just spent 200 million dollars on Van Vliet and Brooks and that's mm-hmm assuming that those two are going to be starting right you don't spend that kind of money no on those two guys and just to have them on the bench so that means van vliet and brooks will be one and two jabari's three and then who the hell else is going to be on that floor no idea i have no clue you assume jalen green no sangoon's going to be there sangoon maybe at the five so then like Mm -hmm. but again that's like that's a maybe like where does jalen green fit in there like are they going to do van vliet Jalen Green, Brooks, Jabari, and Shangun. I could see I like that. that. I like that more. That could be okay, but then that means Thompson and <laughs> is not is coming off the bench. The guy yeah. that, that is essentially running point for them in the summer league. And then that their 20th pick, the guy who fell, um, Cam Whitmore. That means he's coming off the bench. That means Kevin Porter Jr. is coming off the bench. And so there is a, a huge like backlog of talent for this team. I do think, you know, I, I'll get into my thoughts on Fred Van Vliet a little bit later, but I do think that there there may be some other moves here that they that they have they may be forced to make to kind of balance out the roster and make sure all the young guys get enough minutes and the ones that they want to keep can continue to develop. Let's get into it then. I'm ready to talk free agency. We have a lot of a lot of signings going on. A lot of people have have moved on or signed, re-signed. Um, and I know that you have them down, and I think we should go through the top ones so far. Yeah, um, and well, I still I'll start. Think, I'll, I'll yeah, start with. I'll start right off the top with Fred VanVleet. I mean, we already touched okay. on him. He was one of the winners of free agency, without a doubt. He, he's life. one of the winner of life right now. Yeah, uh, yeah. He well, there's one more, and I know we'll bring him up very shortly. But outside of the one that we're going to talk about, that most people will know, I think Fred VanVleet did the best in free agency. He's got three years, hundred and thirty million dollars. Mm. Uh, for a guy who shot under 40% from the field last year, Fred Van Vliet, under 40% from the field. That's not okay, <laughs> especially for a guard in the NBA, especially for a guard who's supposed to be a shooter in the NBA. But the Rockets, of course, have a shit ton of cap space. And I know that they we've been talking about their interest in James Harden and their interest generally in a you know more traditional point guard because Ime Udoka is now the head coach. And it seems like with that move to bring Ime in, they are looking to no longer be a tanking organization. I pretty I called that, I think that was my first reaction to the news around Ime being the head coach for Houston. Is like, I don't think this guy, you don't bring him in to be a tanking coach. No. You don't. You a bring him in. Like they did with, with uh, Silas. <laughs> right, exactly. And Silas, unfortunately for him, that was his role. It was... Mm-hmm. Uh, initially like hey yeah we'll bring in silas because james and <laughs> james harden's gonna be here russell westbrook's gonna be here it's like oh that's psych that, that ain't happening no more <laughs> and so silas got the short end of the stick but i think the the move to Ime shows that this team and the signings of both fred van vliet and dylan brooks who got four for 86 million dollars might even be closer to 90 
with the incentives for Brooks. Um, they overpaid for those two guys for a reason. I think Eme has a, a you know kind of a structure in his head of what he thinks this organization should be, um, and where they should like where their their starting lineup should go. Uh, but I do think we're going to see them look a lot more like Oklahoma City last year, a lot more like uh, um, Utah last year, where these are young teams with young talents, and let's let's pull off the reins here. Let's let them go. Let's l- lengthen that leash, and not intentionally try to lose games in the fourth quarter anymore, because we have all the talent. And another draft pick is just going to end up getting wasted or traded away if they continue to tank. So yeah, they go yeah, out and splash for for Van Vliet and Brooks. And I think the Brooks money is way too much. I think the Van Vliet money is way too much. But what do you think? Well, I think Fred Van Vliet, it, it automatically shows that he he wanted to get the biggest contract possible. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think he's like, he already won his chip. He's like, you know, he's 29 years old, Drew. This was something we were talking about when he was potentially going to be a Clipper, when we were looking at right. maybe making a trade midseason to get Van Vliet in here. And I knew that he wanted a lot of money. And that he's 29 years old. And I I get it. Van Vliet's good. He's a good basketball player. I think it's going to be great for Houston because what they need most, like Memphis, is an adult in the room, right? Somebody that's been there before. Somebody that can, you know, it's a little more mature, that's a veteran, that's won a chip, that's played with a lot of really good basketball players to maybe help these young guards that they have on this team um, and bring some of that championship mentality to everybody that thought that Dylan Brooks was going to be playing in China. You're just stupid. You don't know basketball. <laughs> I didn't think he would get that much money and no. I didn't know that he would sign so quick, but we knew that there was going to be offers for him and teams would want somebody like Dylan Brooks. We have been on record, both of us saying we would take Dylan Brooks on our basketball team. Not for 90 million, use, not for $90 million. <laughs> no, that's something I would not want to do. So <laughs> I think Houston's trending in the right direction as far as drafting well, right? And bringing in the a decent amount of talent. Now, figuring that out is going to be on Ime now. Yeah. And that's his job now is to figure out how this is going to work and who's going to make the cut or not. Because Ime doesn't fuck around. Right. You know, he might stick with seven players, dude. And if KPJ wants to go on one of his one of his little tangents and wants to be the selfish guy, the stories that we've heard and whatnot, then he's probably not going to be a Houston Rocket for long. Right. And, uh, you know, they got rid of KJ Martin, which we'll talk about soon. But I, I think they're decent moves that you got to spend the money somewhere. They spend it on those two. So, uh, yeah. you know, I'm looking forward to Houston. Yeah, me too. I think the, the last thing I'll say about the Fred Van Vliet, and then we can move on. There's a lot of deals. I have 50 different deals. <laughs> We're not doing we, 50. We won't get to all 50. We're going to get the, 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 the top echelon. But I, writ- I wrote down 50 deals that have been done. Uh, there is still, in my mind, the reason that potentially you you sign Van Vliet to that much money and or Brooks is to trade them. Um, maybe not right away, but there is the James Harden looming trade request that could potentially factor into the reason why the Rockets decided to offer specifically Fred Van Vliet all that money. And I think that that potential is probably much smaller now than it may have been a few weeks ago as far as like trading for James Harden for the Rockets, because from all, all the recent reports that I've heard is that Ime was the one that shut down the return of Harden. So like Ime Udoka himself has not come out and said that. So I don't know how true or not those rumors are, but you could, I could foresee, you know, beginning of the season somewhere in October, November, December, 
and Philly still has James Harden and he's still not happy and looking fat or fat. trying to yeah trying to fake an injury or playing terribly that Daryl Morey goes all right what if we could bring Fred Van Bleed in here and potentially one of these other young good players from Houston in a trade for James Harden so that's a possibility right there and the last thing is is like just like you mentioned about Kevin Porter Jr I think the same thing could be mentioned for Jalen Green if Jalen Green or KPJ are going to be these guys that go, I it's it's me first, it's not team first, then one of those guys most likely will be on a new a new team, I think, by the end of the year. That's fair. Who you got next? Well, I'll go right to the top of the list. We started with Fred because we brought him up, but the guy who won free agency, the single individual player who won free agency, his name is Jeremy Grant. And he got the full fucking Brinks truck from Portland. Back uh, it up. I mean, five years, $160 million for Jeremy Grant. We don't need to spend too much time on this other than I think it's a bad move for Portland. And I don't know why they spent all that money on Jeremy Grant. I don't know who the fuck else was going to bid more than maybe $100 million for Jeremy Grant. Uh, And my guess is it was an effort to appease Dame uh, Dame Lillard, but didn't seem to work because Dame's trade request came right after the news that Jeremy Grant was going to be signed to a five-year $160 million deal. So what are your thoughts on that shit? Kudos to Jeremy Grant and his, yeah. and his agent. Okay. Cause yeah. if you go back, was it last episode? We had this conversation. We did yeah. the money and we were talking about how much he would, we, we think he's worth and, and whatnot. $160 million. I couldn't believe it. But I think exactly what you said. There was rumors coming out where Dame said, well, if you get Draymond and you get Jeremy Grant, like, yeah, I'll probably stay. And so Philly just jumps the gun on it and Portland. just throws the whole freaking didn't even negotiate. Probably they're probably 160, Jeremy, take it or leave it. And Jeremy's like, give me the freaking bag. Yeah, I'm oh, yeah. I love Portland. So. <laughs> And it's going to backfire in their faces. And again, I'm always that guy that's always talking about like salary cap and whatnot. Why would you want 35% of your salary cap going to Jeremy Grant? I like Jeremy Grant. I think Jeremy Grant, he's been solid on every basketball team he's been on. I would love Jeremy Grant on the Clippers. You would love Jeremy Grant on the Lakers. But for the price point, no, man, no. And now... I, I Well, we'll get into Dame in a minute. So bad move, great move for Jeremy Grant, but it doesn't, it doesn't push the needle at all for me. Right. And the, the thing that I'll mention is like there there's within the NBA, the rules are that the cap can only go up 10% each year, the, the salary cap for each team. So if that stays true and at the end of the, you know, year four, year five of that deal, that money will look a lot smaller than it looks right now. And Really, I mean, he's in that, like you said, 30 to $40 million range. There's a lot of guys out there they could trade for if they wanted to. I just don't know who the fuck wants Jeremy Grant for $35 well, million. I, I just keep thinking if you have 160 to spend, why don't you go for Harden? You know what I mean? Why don't you finagle if Harden's available and if they're making him available? Why not go for him? Get somebody like that. I still think 160 is too much for Harden right now at Definitely. this stage in his career. But you get what I'm saying? If you got that much money... You know, you want to spread that out or go with a go with a, a, a you know, a, a home run. Get somebody. Right. That's worth 160, which is that's the weird part about Harden opting into his last year is is that he could have just opted out and been a free agent <laughs> and then and then potentially could have received an offer like that from a Portland or from 
you know, Houston or whoever the fuck else. But the fact that Harden opted into this year was a little head scratchy to me where he could have just said no and potentially gotten a two year for 65 or a three year for 95 or shit three years for 130 like Fred Van Vliet. But his decision to opt into this last year of the deal and then try to force a trade, I think, is a backwards way of going about things there. But anyway, so since we're still in Portland, though, can we do a little Dame talk really quick? Because sure. Even with the signing of Jeremy Grant, right? We're seeing Scoot. We're seeing Shaden Sharp. They got Anthony Simons. Like, you have all these guards, these young guys. You got Jeremy Grant for 160. And it's like now Dame has only said he wants to, supposedly only said that he wants to go to Miami. And I'm, you know, I think it's bullshit, man. It sucks that Portland is in this position right now. It absolutely sucks if this is the only place that this guy wants to go. And what you're, we're going to give you Dame for for Tyler Hero, and you're going to or and, and or Duncan Robinson, and maybe Jovich and some picks. First of all, it's not enough. And how does that? They, they don't even fit on the roster. What is? It just makes zero sense. And while I am all for loyalty and what Dame has done for Portland, the organization, the city, I love it. He will be. He's going to be revered and loved for the rest of his life there. But this sucks for the for the front office that you're only giving me one one destination to go to. The, f- the fact that there probably has to be three, four teams involved in this so, so people can actually get proper pieces, um, it's just horrible. And th- th- this doesn't happen in real life either. You just don't get to pick and choose where you want to be and how much money you want. And it, it, if it was that easy, we'd all be fucking rich and living in Miami. You know what I mean? So... I just, I think while it's good to see organizations do it, I loved it when OKC did it for Russ. Like, hey, man, we'll send you where you want to go. You've done this much for our organization. Um, we appreciate you. We'll send you here. You said you want to go to Houston. We'll, we'll we'll send you there. We just saw what happened with Bradley Beal, where you're in the corner and like, I only want to go to this team. So you trade him for cents on the dollar. And you've invested hundreds of millions of dollars into Dame Lillard and your return is no matter what they get in return, even if it's Carl Anthony Towns, it's still not enough for Damian Lillard, especially with the, the go bear hall and whatnot, the thing, the catalyst that started it all with this. So I, I think it puts them in a really bad position. I think at the end of the day, if they end up with cat, that will be awesome. If they could finagle that some way. I and, I and I don't know. I think you and I aren't the biggest cat guys either, but you don't need another guard. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, that's for you sure. don't need another guard. So yeah. um, I, I, I don't know how Miami or Portland gets this done anytime soon. You know, what do yeah. you think about that? Yeah, that's kind of been my thought the whole time is like, this is not going to be quick. Right. Uh, and today, I think there was a quote is today or yesterday from the Portland GM saying that if this takes months, then it takes months. Mm-hmm. So uh, my thought process on this and the James Harden potential trade is that this we're, we're working with two GMs that are not feeling any pressure to get right. this done fast. And they shouldn't, Drew, right? It's Absolutely their op- not. It's their option. Correct. And yes, like you said, though, I do think if, if it is Miami, there's multiple teams that have to be involved. And that's going to take some time, too. Uh, you're going to have to have some some other team be a little disappointed with what they have going at the beginning of the season to then go, okay, fine. Like, we'll get rid of this guy and we'll bring in some pieces here and there. Uh, and we're willing to be a part of this three-team deal without getting Damian Lillard, right? So uh, this is, yeah, it, I think the GM of the, of, of the Blazers is doing a good job of 
trying to, you know, just be like patient and not rush into a bad decision that could eventually lead to him being fired. That's what I also think too, is when you're a GM in a position like this and your superstar wants out, you have to do the best job for the team, but you also have to do the best job for you to keep your fucking job. Yes. And so I think he knows that. I think the GM of the of the Blazers knows that he's in a spot here where if he messes up, it's it's done and dusted for him. And also he's shipping away arguably the greatest trailblazer to ever play. So uh yeah, I'm with you. This isn't gonna be quick. I, I would not be surprised if this goes all the way to the trade trade deadline in February of next year. Um, and, and who knows, even if, if that's the case, I don't know how many games Damien's going to play. I don't, he may just sit and they may just no, go, cool, he we'll rock with that. No, but no, but, but that could be, that could be the way that he goes. That could be the way that Portland wants it to be. Because if like, dude, if you're not going to be here, if you don't want to be a part of this, why would we play you? <laughs> I want to, I'm, I'm going to get as many minutes for Scoot and Simons and Sharp and the rest of the young guys that I can. Um, and also, you know, every, everyone that's mentioned the Damien Lillard trade possibilities, has also included Nurkic in that. So I also think if Dame is going to go somewhere and if they're going to take a little bit less than than maybe what the market value is, every team that's going to get Dame, if it's Miami or anybody else, is going to have to take Yusuf Nurkic's contract as well. So that's another wrench in the whole idea of this being a quick an easy transaction. It's not going to be. I, I think it could have been quicker if there wasn't just one team that, that supposedly this guy wants to go to. Right. It's like in, in, well, and I in think the GM is disregarding that, you... that. The the GM is saying no. It's not that. It's not that. And I think that's the right move for him. He he's not going to go to Miami unless they're going to get a return that's that's good enough for them. I agree, but it's like if there was something on the table. If it's like, yo, we got Zach Levine. Uh, we'll give you uh, Cody, and we'll give you uh, Drummond, and a couple picks, right? That makes more sense than Tyler Hero and 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 Jovic or whatever the hell his name is. It makes so much more sense. And if you're a GM, then that that's what I would do. I just there's something about like just holding an organization hostage with I I will only go here, right? Like does does the GM does the organization really owe the player something? We've seen players get hosed and fucked over so many times. Right. We've seen players fuck over organizations so many times. I just think your job, like you said, as the GM is to get the best return, the best value for our superstar player. I think players like Damian Lillard and like Steph Curry, um, you know, they there is a, an amount of respect within the organization where they want to appease them for what they've done for their city and their organization. But you got to have a couple more options than just one. Definitely. Let's move on to to the next guy on the list. And it's Kyrie Irving. We can be done with this fast. Kyrie got exactly what he wanted. Three Again. years, three years, $126 million. Another winner of free agency. I have him in third place uh, because just like Jeremy Grant, who the fuck else was going to offer him this money? I don't think anybody. I don't think another team was going to touch him with a 10-foot pole for $35 million a year. I just don't see it. <laughs> and I think he's very, very lucky that the, the Mavericks – uh, decided to to stick with him, and they want to see him play with Luca and whoever else is going to be on that team. Uh, but Kyrie ends up where we all thought he would for a higher price than I thought he was going to get, mm. and I think he should be all smiles right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how it goes for the whole year, if they can get a whole year out of them together. I think it's something that could be something special if it mm -hmm. works, right? They're trying to bring in some more pieces. Cuban's at least showing that he will pay. For stars, he wants a star there, and Kyrie has a huge following. 
teammates love him. The NBA players love him. Fans, you know, it's either love him or hate him with Kyrie. Uh, I, it's definitely more money than I thought. I thought it was just going to be a, a one and a player op for the next one. That's what I was expecting. I didn't know it would be $38 million. He's worth the money when he plays, right? Yep. He is. And if they can get on the same page, him and Luca, it could be something special. I don't think they have enough pieces, but, you know, we're probably going to talk about Grant Williams here in a minute. It's a good pickup for them. I think he's going to get a lot of burn. Uh, defensively, he brings something. It's another shooter to pass to that Luca can pass to. So they're making the right moves, like we were talking about Houston. I mean, they're they're trending upward, but like your window with Luca, if this shit fucking blows up in your face <laughs> again, or if Kyrie does something that Kyrie has done before, Cuban's gonna, you know, be stuck with mud on his face. So good for Kyrie. Got another deal. Yeah. Yeah, good for Kyrie. Um, I do think the Mavs were kind of forced to keep Kyrie, right? I think they want to make sure that. You know, Luca has another playmaker. Grant Williams, we can get into Grant Williams. I think, you know, it's a nice, it's a nice addition. It's a nice addition. Grant Williams can can be quite versatile, uh, but he's going to need to knock down three pointers if he's going to play on this team. I mean, that's the, the truth of of the matter. Is uh, you know they're they're looking for somebody to replace the minutes lost by trading away Dorian Finney Smith, and I think Grant Williams will slide into that role pretty well, um, but. You know he he still has been very inconsistent with his jump shot outside of uh, well just coming off of last year specifically, um, and I do think that Grant kind of ran <laughs> ran its course with uh, with Joe Bazooka Joe in <laughs> in the Celtics organization. I, I think he was a little too mouthy for Bazooka Joe, and we'll see how that works uh, in in Dallas with Grant Williams. And you know he's a real smart guy. Grant Grant Williams is. He was you know before he went to college, it was potential that he was going to go to Harvard. Uh, and I think sometimes, you know, his intelligence can get in the way of uh, of what the coaches are trying to execute out there because he sees it a little differently and he can't help himself but be like, no, I think I'm right. <laughs> well, then I think him and Kyrie will get along fine. They could stay up late <laughs> night drinking wine and, and talking educated stuff. They're two yeah. smart dudes right there. But right. <laughs> th- those two smart dudes need to realize going into this playing situation that this is Luca's team. Yeah. Right. This is this is his team. This is his organization as of right now. And I think Grant's more on board with that than possibly Kyrie. So I'm just really interested to see how they can, you know, again, I think it's it's really important to have training camp together, to establish relationships together, to have dialogue and conversations with each other on what, what our goals are moving into this season, how we both can get better. Uh, it seems like Luca's putting in a lot of work in the off season. He probably heard every single podcaster and media member mention, like, you know, there is fat, there's fluctuating fat Luca oh, yeah. coming into camp. So at least he's putting uh, forth the effort as well. So it's going to, it's going to be another story plot that we're going to be watching closely over there in Dallas. Yeah. And for what it's worth, they did resign um, Dwight Powell. Uh, they have him back. Three years, twelve million dollars, super, super Love chump it. change. Mm-hmm. Good player, uh, hard player. So I yeah, plays hard. I think uh, that's that's a solid. You know how much I loved him well. before the ACL. I love. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's still he's still worth that money for sure. I mean, that's nothing. It's four million dollars a year. Like that's piece of cake. Uh, okay, next on the list, Draymond Green did resign with the Warriors. Four years, hundred million dollars. Uh, not a shocker. There after the Jordan Pool trade seemed like all the stars aligned. They're going to bring Draymond back, and they're going to run this back one more time. And we're going to see, at least right now, 
we're going to see the reality unfold of a Chris Paul, Draymond Green, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson lineup with Andrew Wiggins and what the fuck that looks like. Uh, but I'm happy for Draymond Green. I think the truth is, I think that he did take a little bit of a pay cut to stay, and which is something that I we we alluded to needing to happen in order for them to keep this three, you know, the three guys together. Um, and you know, four years, a hundred million dollars, twenty five million dollars a year doesn't sound like a pay cut to most people. But when you look around the league, I do think there may have been an opportunity for Draymond to get into the thirty million dollar a year uh, kind of range from a different team. But I think Draymond understands what we've all been saying, and you know, it's not <laughs> it's not rocket science. Stick with these guys. Mm-hmm. You know, let's see if they can recapture what they had two years ago, and maybe do one more crazy year and have another title run, uh, or at least another couple title runs within these you know three four years that they have left on Draymond's contract, Steph's contract. Clay's going to be a free agent next year, so we'll see what the fuck that looks like. Uh, but Draymond back with the Warriors status quo remains. Uh, I think is a smart decision for all parties. Yeah, and I thought the funny thing was 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 after all the talk and the stuff on his podcast and even saying the writings on the wall that I'm probably not going to be back next year. This guy signed at 301. You're allowed to sign contracts at three o'clock. He was the first one that signed. I think it was just you know BS going to France with with Braun and then having dinner with Dame. This dude was always going to resign with golden state. And that's where he should be. That's his legacy. He should not go anywhere else. Draymond green does not belong in any other Jersey. Yes. He would be great on every other or not great, but he, he would fit on a lot of NBA basketball teams to, and and continue his career, but you're a golden state warrior. You're where you're supposed to be on the other end of that. You mentioned a guy that looks completely defeated and so unhappy. (laughs) And that is Jordan pool in Washington. Like this guy could not look any more non-stoked than Jordan Poole right now. <laughs> they they released a, they released a picture today of him and Kuzma holding up their jerseys. Uh Kuzma looking like he just got drafted again, but Jordan Poole, man. Like just put a smile on your face. At least lie to the fans that you're happy to be there. Yeah, maybe go maybe go to the barber and get lined up, make it look like you were trying to look good for these pictures, trying to look good for this debut. Bro, you're letting yourself go, Jordan. Oh, bro. I don't know, man. I yeah. How does look, Jordan get the shit end of the stick on this after he gets his ass beat and then yeah. he gets sent all the way to the land of the lost in Washington? But he does not look happy. Shouldn't the money make him happy? You you're gonna get all the shots in the world, Jordan. Yeah, I think the money and the situation should make him happy. Uh, and who knows? Maybe he just had a couple of edibles right before then, and he was just like vibing, just feeling it, just loosey goosey, and uh, wasn't overly hyped for the pictures. It was funny that Kuzma was holding his jersey in that picture as though he didn't play for the organization last year. It's like a new right, signing. right. Like, like you're not wait. a new signing, bro. Uh, yeah, you were on this team. Why are you holding your jersey up again? Like what? Uh, anyway, but yeah. So Kuzma's the next guy actually on the list. Uh, because he did sign a nice four-year, hundred and two million dollars uh, to ninety stay guaranteed, with, ninety guaranteed. Yeah, to stay with the Wizards, um, and those are the two guys that are going to lead them into this season. It's Jordan Poole, it's Kyle Kuzma, twenty-five shots for each of them in a given game, and who gonna, knows? Going to lead them right into the lottery. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's perfect. I honestly, I think the Wizards had did did a great job, right? Like initially, we looked at the Beal trade for the Wizards and go, "What the fuck? Why wouldn't you get more?" stuff for this but then they did a lot of other moves and they have a decent little team that they could very easily tank with and still like still have a decent product on the floor 
and something fun for the fans to go out and see. Jordan Poole will be fun to watch. Uh, even if he's missing, it'll be fun to watch him out there just do his Jordan Poole stuff and get as many shots as he wants. Uh, and same thing with Kuzma. Uh, so big, big ups to those two guys. Uh, they're going to be, you know, leading the way for the Wizards, and we'll potentially be looking at, uh, you know, a, a number one overall pick. I don't know. I don't know how bad they're going to be. They have, they have enough. It's weird though. I will say this: like outside of those two guys, the rest of the team is like not. It's not terrible. It's mm-hmm. it's really not. I think they did an okay job. So I wouldn't be shocked based on how the Wizards have done in you know in the past for them to like ruin this opportunity to get a number one or two overall pick and they may accidentally win enough to be in like the 10-11 seed in the East. Uh but we'll see. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of defense uh played on on that team. So uh most likely they will be in a good spot to tank. But I wouldn't be shocked if uh, if they do something weird and actually win some games, uh, well, next they got to take a take a page out of the Spurs playbook from last year. We talked about it on our show. Right, like, you, you're going to tank, but you're not going to make it look like we're tanking. Exactly. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to don't want to get in trouble. Kuzma, we're going to pay <laughs> Kyle, and we're going to pay Jordan Poole, and you guys just play your game, and we'll just right. tank and there's going to be right. there's going to be a game where they both have forty points, and they're going to win that game. <laughs> and then there's going to be a game where they have you know twenty points between them, and right. they will not be winning that game. All right. Uh, so big shout out to Kuzma. Uh, next one on the list, uh, Middleton resigns three years, $102 million of the bucks. They also get to resign Brooke Lopez two years, $48 million. The bucks remain intact, very similar to the warriors. Uh, they keep their guys. I did not expect Brooke Lopez to sign. We did both expect Middleton to resign there. Good money for him. He just, de- he declined a $40 million option. So we expected him to get more money than 40 coming his way, which he did, $102 million, lovely deal for Chris Middleton. And I think Brooke Lopez has got to be pretty happy too. I didn't think that the Bucks were going to be able to offer him $24 million a year, uh, wow. which is nearly $10 million more than he made last year. I think it might be $10 million more than he made last year. So uh, I thought Brooke was going to be a highly coveted free agent and potentially uh, moving out of Milwaukee. But the Bucks did a great job in bringing him back. I think he's really, really good. And I think it's it. Some people may not be overly excited with what the Bucks did, given that they had some cap space and they could have shaken it up. They could have gone a different route and maybe made a flashy play for some player here or there. But it's easy to remember that they were fantastic, or it's, it, excuse me, it's easy to forget that they were fantastic for, through most of last year, and that Giannis almost blew out his back in, the, in in round one, which is mainly the reason that they weren't able to escape round one against the eventual losers of the Miami Heat in the finals. So I, I do think it's like it's okay for them to bring these guys back. We've seen them win a championship. We've seen them be really, really, really good for several years now. They have a new head coach in there. Let's see what the new boy can do with the X's and O's uh, and, and rebuilding this team and getting them back to where we expect them to be. I really, I mean, clips, you, you might think different, but Giannis's back injury doesn't happen. I don't see the heat making that run, right? No, not at all. And, you know, Giannis just got his knee cleaned up the same thing. Like Kawhi got done, I guess yeah. just to clean it up a bit. Look, I think, I think it's great for the bucks to bring both those guys back. I think, it's smart for both of them to want to come back. I think there's, you know, four or five players in the NBA that you really want to hitch your wagon to. We always talk about hitching your wagon and and Giannis is one of those guys that you want to hitch your wagon to. And I think 
also when you win a chip together and you get that taste of a championship, I think it's uh, something you want to do again. And those guys want to do it again. And I think they brought in Robin Lopez too. They did. I think they said, yeah. So now Brooke has his bro there and Robin will contribute too. I think it's a, a, a solid pickup for them yeah. to do that. But yeah, you not were... only Giannis. Giannis isn't the only guy who gets his brother on the team. Right, Brooke, right. Brooke gets his brother on the team too. And and there's five holidays out there too. If we need to bring another holiday in, bring one in. We're gonna make everybody happy. So uh, I I I I think you're totally right too. If Giannis doesn't get injured, I mean, I don't see Miami being there either. So shout out to the to to the Bucks running it back one more time. And they got a couple young guys on that squad that uh, are hopefully are going to be coming along this summer. Uh, and and contribute a bit. So good for Brooke Lopez. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if the Bucks are number one seed in the East again next yep. year. Not yep. not at all. Uh, okay, well let's move forward. Next guy on the list, Cam Johnson, the guy that we brought up on last podcast, mm. remains with the Nets four years, one hundred and eight million dollars. A guy that I thought was going to be coveted very much by other teams, and probably was, but I did not expect the Brooklyn Nets to fork out that much cash given you know, the, the, the roster that they have, but I think it's good money for him, uh, for the nets and for, and for cam Johnson. I think it's a, a tradable contract and it locks down a very young, well, not very young, but a young, exciting player in cam Johnson. I, I the reason that I thought on the last podcast that he would go is because I just thought they, they needed other things besides six foot eight wings, which they have a decent number of, and they ended up Letting Yuta Watanabe go uh, and enter in free agency, which I don't think was a bad idea. Keeping Cam Johnson's a nice move, uh, but it does leave me scratching my head as to what the Brooklyn Nets are going to look like this year. But specifically about Cam Johnson, great player, uh, up and coming player, a guy that I think will earn the money there, but could also be traded if they see uh, a trade come their way to make them a more formidable team. What are your thoughts on the four for 108? For Cam Johnson, I think again, you guys. Some teams got to spend money. Cam's a good player, a great trade piece in the future. Um, that's a lot of money, yeah. but you gotta you gotta give money to somebody. And yeah. I think Cam's it's a little over twenty five. It's a little over twenty five a year, which is Ooh. you know seems to be the going rate if you're a pretty good player. <laughs> if you're a pretty good player, it'll get you twenty five million a year. Uh, look, I don't think uh, I think Brooklyn needs a lot more than that in order to be a contender or even sniff, you know, making any waves in the playoffs. But uh, I think Brooklyn can be a destination place. So, yeah, I mean, I'm fine with it. Good for Cam. Get that 25 mil. Good for you, buddy. Yeah. And, yeah, again, not shocking if he stays there for all four years. Also not shocking if he gets moved in a deal like the Damian Lillard deal that we're talking about. If the Brooklyn Mm -hmm. Nets want to be the third team in that deal, then Cam Johnson may be going to Portland or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, but yeah, good stuff. Smart moves on both sides there. Uh, Jakob Pertl, four years, $80 million with the Raptors. Congratulations. As we've mentioned on this podcast, he's only allowed to play for two teams. Two teams. It's only two teams. Free agency for him is not 30 teams, not 29 other teams. It is San Antonio and it is Toronto. Uh, so he gets to stay in Toronto <laughs> and vacation in San Antonio anytime he wants. Uh, but Pertle, well done. Uh, again, another team that has to pay somebody. Why not yep. pay him $20 million a year? God, we mentioned Jakob Pertl so many times during the, the trade season. The trade deadline. Year. Yes. The trade deadline. It was Jakob. <laughs> Jakob will get you the chip is basically what we were saying. If anybody could just sign Jakob. But no, you have to be Toronto or San Antonio to do that. So, yeah. 
Um, so that's it for like the really big, big money deals that I wanted to discuss. Uh, the rest of these deals are like really nice pieces. So I want to get into some of the more intricate pieces that were acquired. And and we'll start with the Suns because I think they did a great fucking job, dude. They did. They did. <laughs> and that was the biggest question mark about the whole bad Bradley Beal, Chris Paul trade was, all right, now the work really begins for this Suns organization. You got rid of CP. You got Beal, you got Peyton, and Katie, Aiton, uh, and of course you got Booker in there as well. But everyone, there was no other players on the team. So we knew they had to fill out the roster. And I think they fucking nailed it, as I mentioned. So I'll just do all encompassing the guys that they were able to bring in pretty much all on like vet minimums or minimum deals. Uh, Drew Eubanks, really Love solid. It. Yep. Good backup guy. They lost, uh, they, they lost Jock Landale. Uh, so they bring in Eubanks. He'll fill that that backup starting uh, center role really nicely. They bring back Damian Lee, two years, five point three million. They did sign Yuta Watanabe to a one year, two point three million dollar deal. Josh Akogi comes back for a one year, two point three million dollar deal. They pick up Chimezi Metu from the Kings. Really, also another nice like four or five guy, super athletic. Mm-hmm. Uh, will will be a nice addition for one year, two point five. And then they got a two-year deal for Keita Bates-Diop for $5 million. A guy that most people won't know. He did have a really nice career at Ohio State and has bounced around a little bit in the NBA, in the G League, but is a nice stretch you know, wing guy. I think he's like 6'9". He shot really well from three last year. Uh, so those are the guys they signed. And then last but not least, I think the one that really hammers it down is Eric Gordon. They were able to get Eric Gordon, who the Clippers deemed as uh, you know surplus to requirements, uh, on a like a two million six or two year six million dollar deal, which is tremendous. So now they have a legitimate team, uh, a team that I think can go as far as they want to, as long as the injuries don't you know hamper them. Uh, but what do you think about all the different moves that the Suns made? I think that's exactly what you have to do in that situation. We needed them to do because we were like, how are they going to fill out the rest of the roster? Right. Like, all that money that you just talked about is is pennies. It's incredible. For, for these guys. They it's did such incredible. a good job. <laughs> and all you need is those guys to play five minutes a night, seven minutes a night each. You know what I'm saying? Ten minutes a night. Damian Lee needs to come in and drop three pointers. Metsu and these guys need to have, uh, you know, need to have motors and running the court. Eric Gordon needs to do what he's done for, for 15 NBA seasons and shoot three pointers and knock them down while KD is out. You know what I mean? Like that is what you do. Matt Ishbia, once again, winning right or whoever's making those moves who's ever making the moves up Ishbia there? and and isaiah thomas it seems like ones that Damn, man, if, well, it, if it was isaiah thomas we would hear that it was isaiah thomas because you need to know that isaiah is actually doing something positive that those don't seem like isaiah thomas moves it seems no. like scouting department moves right it does it does and i i you know i think the uh the interesting part about the Suns before they did all of that was Kyrie in an in an in, in, in an attempt to drum up more value for himself tried to like force a a phone call with the Suns to like make it seem like maybe they would be interested in signing him even though they have no fucking money and then Zero. the Suns were just like no <laughs> we're not we won't even take the meeting and then the Mavs still paid him all that money it it was funny that part was really funny about the the Suns involvement or at least tried to be in Kyrie tried to involve them in, in, in conversations and, and it didn't happen. So to me, I think that shows Isaiah Thomas wasn't involved because perhaps if he was, 
they may have uh, tried to slide something his way. Kyrie's given partial partial ownership of the Suns. <laughs> right. Yeah, come here and play for five million dollars a year, but we'll give you one percent. We'll give you 05 percent of the organization. <laughs> oh man, but no, for real though, I think the Suns did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lakers, I think, won free agency as a team, which we'll get into. Uh, in my final thought, I, I know the Clippers have made a couple moves, which we'll get into later too. But I think outside of what the Lakers have done, uh, and you know the Nuggets maintaining on most of their key players outside of Bruce Brown, who's my next guy that we're going to bring up. Uh, but but the Nuggets look really good. Lakers look good. Suns very much look very very good. Uh, so congrats to them. But my next guy is Bruce Brown. He did walk away from the Nuggets <laughs> even after Mike Malone, Michael Malone, excuse me. Uh, said that Bruce Brown isn't going anywhere during the the uh, cele- celebrations after the championship. Uh, but the Nuggets can't afford two years, $45 million for Bruce Brown. Good for Like Bruce. we talked about. And Indiana goes, hey, we like you. We like you enough. We have something weird going on over here in Indiana. Let's pay you two for 45. <laughs> and, uh, and he goes to Indiana. What do you think about what Indiana is doing? They have a bunch of shit going on over there. I think it's more of what Bruce Brown is doing. I think Bruce Brown is a good basketball player. He was obviously huge for the Nuggets. I I think this is his one opportunity to make this kind of money right now. And if it's two year 45, you got to take it. I don't think Bruce Brown is going to get another deal like that. That's not, not hating on Bruce Brown at all, but like even in the top shot world, I know I haven't talked to talked about top shot a lot, but Bruce Brown was like, the ongoing joke when he was a net, like, God, why am I pulling all these Bruce Brown cards? Like fans were not into Bruce Brown. And finally, mm-hmm. when he's on the, on the stage and you see the value this guy can bring to a team, uh, Bruce Brown's a great basketball player. And I think, I think that's, do you think it's fair money? Do you think 45 is where it's at? Like $20 million a year for Bruce? No, that's an overpay. That's an overpay. Yeah. For Bruce. It's yeah. an overpay for Bruce, but I do think they did it because he is covered. Like, if if they offered him any less than that, I think there was a bunch of teams that would have been like two for 30, right? Like that $15 mm-hmm. million, dollar, 15, 16, mm-hmm. $18 million range. That would have been like, we. that's what we offered Bruce. Mm-hmm. And Indiana goes, all right, fuck this. We want this guy. Mm-hmm. We want to start winning, right? I do think this is like a winning now move. They also did trade for Obi Toppin. So they have Obi Toppin in there now as well uh, in Indiana. Uh, I think this is a move like Rick Carlisle is, is I, I think the way that I think about him is similar, similar to what I mentioned about Ime Yudoka. Rick Carlisle is not a tanking coach. Rick Carlisle is not in this to be like scrounging around and hoping that we get Victor Wenbanyama in the draft. That's not his MO. That's not what he does. Uh, so I think he took last year to really evaluate the young talent that they have there. And, and they have a plethora of young talent there, uh, including uh, Tyrese Halliburton, who they did offer the max Contract two, which was accepted, of course, by Indiana as well, which I might as well bring up now. Uh, five years, $260 million max extension mm. for Tyrese Halliburton. So congrats to Tyrese as well. Uh, but they have so many young, good players there, and they did resign uh, <clears throat> Miles Turner to a, a contract extension in the in the middle of this year. So I think it's now it's time for them to let's let's pop back into the playoffs. Let's make this actually work. And the last piece I'll mention about Indiana uh, which I do think Bruce Brown fills a nice role for is they did trade away Chris Duarte, uh, you know, a good player, a guy that they drafted. Is that Sac- Sacramento? Yeah. They, they traded Duarte uh, to the Kings. Uh, and I think that's a, a solid move. You have Benedict Matherin who plays virtually the same role. Yeah. Uh, Duarte's older. He was an older guy coming into the NBA. I think he's still a solid NBA player. I think the Kings will be happy with Duarte. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but just to like a, you know, movements towards let's get back into the playoffs. Let's see what this young talent can do. Let's see what these young guys can build together over the next, you know, three, four, five years. And I think it's a solid, solid pickup for everybody involved. Uh, but it leads me to my next move. I, I a little segue there. Duarte goes to the Kings. We thought that the Kings would be definitely ones in the mix for a lot of these different wings based on how Harrison Barnes was fitting in or, you know, maybe not filling in the role as much as we thought he could. I thought for sure that they were going to be able to bring in somebody to replace Harrison Barnes and let him go in free agency. That did not happen. They, I think they may like Harrison's uh, veteran leadership within this group. They did go ahead and re-sign Harrison Barnes to a three-year $54 million deal with the Kings to stay, which was shocking to me. Good money though. Like I think for the Kings, that's like a really nice deal, right? Not too much money for Harrison. Harrison still makes whatever, like, you know, $17 million or whatever that is. Um, but I, I thought potentially the Kings would make a splash and mm. do something, you know, major for one of these wings like Kuzma, like Jeremy Grant, some Draymond was brought up, all those guys that we listed in the last podcast, uh, which they didn't. They they felt satisfied with uh what Harrison was bringing to the table. And uh now that they have Duarte, I think they're 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 looking great still. You know, the status quo remains in Sacramento. What do you think? Well, I think going back to Indiana, like the Duarte thing, it just makes sense because Benny Math is the guy and they do play the same position. Yeah. Benny's going to be is, is nice. We all know that they're trying to him and Tyrese are trying to build something there in Indiana. Uh, I think Duarte is going to be fine in Sacramento. I think the Harrison Barnes, like you said, I think that's good money. I think that's fair for him. And if he's a good vibe with the team and they like him and, uh, you know, he's a good fit, then pay him. You know, not not everybody wants to leave. Like I know Sacramento isn't a destination spot, but some people like like it, and maybe Harrison likes being there, and they like him there. So well, he was a part of their best, you know, season I, in twenty two years or whatever it is. So right, I, I, I can understand like the loyalty there and and wanting to stick with a guy that helped them achieve that. Right. I I do think though that they didn't do anything to make them significantly better. That's that's what you're basically saying about making a splash and. Like the Kuzma thing would have been that would would have been a splash, right? Yeah. The Chris Middleton thing that could have would would have been a would have been a splash and maybe push the needle a little more. But I don't think they got uh, better, and unless the players get better, unless Fox is coming back right. and 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 Sabonis comes back, a better basketball player, I don't know if they're going to have the same kind of season, this magical season that they just had. Yeah. I don't think they're going to be a bottom dweller at all, but I just no. don't know if they, they they didn't do anything to be like, oh, those guys are going to win the championship this year. Yeah, none of us picked them to be a three seed last year, and right. it was a weird fucking year in the West. It was. Right. And I no, no one's going to pick them to be a three seed this year. No. Uh, but certainly I think they'll they'll be back in, you know, the play in and maybe maybe maybe, you know, four, five, six seed potentially. Or um, Darren Fox becomes an MVP kind of guy. Yeah. We saw how good this guy is. And maybe him and Sabonis figure it out, and they become the best duo, one-two duo in in the league. It's it. There's potential there for that to happen. Right. I just think like the the one that keeps coming back to me is like, could they have offered that same money to Bruce Brown? Yeah. And I think that could have been that could have been kind of even not super splashy, but like a game changer potentially right. for the Kings. That that guy does do a lot of things uh, for whatever team he's on, as as we've seen his career his role changes constantly based on what the team needs. And I think mm. he could have been a nice, you know, if he, if he was going to take two for 45, you think maybe he could have taken three for 54. I think he mm -hmm. might've think he might've taken that. Um, okay. Uh, the next on the list is the Cavs. I know that we 
you know, we're, we're talking about smaller deals here, but the Cavs obviously in a similar position to the Kings where they needed some more wing depth. That was their Achilles heel last year. They had two guys that can score the ball and nobody else could hit the fucking broadside of a barn. Uh, so they go ahead and they double down on their wing spots, signing a couple guys, Max Struess, four years, $64 million, a lot of money. That's a lot of money from Max Struess, a guy who did not play very well in the finals, but did have a fantastic career with Miami and and I think has earned that amount of money. Uh, the funny part is, is like I mentioned, they did double down because they also got George Niang, our guy from the Sixers, uh, and he signs a three-year, $26 million deal. Very team-friendly deal there. Three years, 26 is not a lot of money, as we're talking about. Uh, but if you were going to go ahead and sign Struess for that money or you're going to go ahead and sign Niang for that money, I don't know why you would feel the need to double down in that fashion other than they know they need more depth and they're just trying to swing, you know, try and take uh, two swings at it, if if you will. And if Struess works out, great. He'll be in the starting lineup. I do think he will be the starter to begin the year there in Cleveland. Uh, but Niang, as we've known, the minivan, also a very versatile player. Love uh, I think this, these are these are nice moves for the Cavs. It's just mm-hmm. a little confusing the way that they did it. Yeah, it's confusing. But like you said, I think they addressed the issue that they were not thriving in, which is the shooting. I think they signed two guys, tough guys that like to play defense. That's what you want. And they can knock down an open three. You need shooting on your basketball team. So uh, while the double down and the money might seem a little, the kneeing is perfect. Like if if he comes, if if that was put on the table for that kind of money, any team should jump at that. The Struess, I think deserves the money that he's getting and maybe a change of scenery is good for him. But yeah. I think addressing the issues that you have, that's what GMs are supposed to do. That's how you build out a team and an offense and a defense. So I like it. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I think the weird part is, and I, I neglected to mention this in the, in, in the start here, it, it, they did also re-sign Karis LeVert to a two-year, $32 million deal. And that's where that's where I, it obviously makes it even more confusing, like a little head-scratcher there. It's like, why would you need all three of those guys? And especially the Karis LeVert piece, it's like, okay. Curious Karis is a different player. You never know who you're going to get, what night, what Karis you're going to get. Yeah, and I do think his role within that team is a good role for him to be off the bench. I do think he's got to be their sixth man, and I think mm-hmm. my guess is that Bickerstaff will move him there, right? You come off the bench, you can be our scorer off the bench. Cool. Uh, and you and he can play alongside Struess and alongside Niang as well. So it's not like they can't fit in a lineup together, but all three of those guys seem a bit redundant. And but again, to, to mention that Karis's deal is very tradable as well. So if, if they don't like Karis as much, they could they could potentially try and get something in return for him. I think with Cleveland, though, if you if you break it down, you have a superstar, you have uh defense in Mobley, young defense. You have Jarrett, who's defensive-minded guy. Now you surround them with a little more shooting, athleticism of curious Karis. I, I, I like it. I mean, they um, Cleveland going into last season, I was really excited to watch them play. They kind of fizzled out. Obviously, they had some some issues going on there, but I, I think that's fine. I think that's what you're supposed to do as far as the front office goes is address the issue, make it work, and now build the offense out. Yeah, and they did let go of a couple of the other wings that were filling that spot. So Chetty Osman and Lamar Stevens ended up in the Spurs. Uh, with the Spurs in a trade. So the Spurs, you know, kind of two uh, good players for the Spurs. Yeah, I like it. Added added some depth there. Uh mm-hmm. Chetty's Chetty's a 
solid guy. I think he's a solid player. Uh, Lamar still needs to work on his offensive game, but a really solid defender. Uh, so not a bad deal all the way around there for both of those teams. Uh, next up on the list. Are you sure you're not doing 50, Drew? Because this is like this is like 47. No, this is I there's all these really small ones uh that I'm not going to touch on, but the la- I'm, I'm gonna bring up the, these last two mm-hmm. quickly. Uh Dennis Schroeder, two years, twenty-six million dollars with the Raptors. I would have loved to see the Lakers keep him. I think he added a lot of value to our team last year. Uh, I think he did a tremendous job on very, very small money for us. Uh, so I'm happy to see that he got money. Uh, two years, 26 is is that's nice money for him. The Raptors are going to get a kid that is he's, he's a good player. He's a good basketball player. Just sometimes his I don't know where his head's at, uh, and I don't know what the Raptors are going to be looking like next year. Mm. But uh, he's going to be their starting point guard. I'm pretty sure at this point, uh, unless they're going to run Scotty Barnes out there at point. But I, I think Schroeder is going to be the guy that takes the Fred Van Vliet role. Uh, and lastly, this one I wanted to save for last. Derrick Rose goes to the Memphis Grizzlies. Guns uh, and Roses, baby. You heard it on Clips and Drew first. The greatest right. nickname ever. <laughs> the greatest duo nickname of all time. Tell me it's not, Drew. I thought it was Airbnb with the Hornets, with Ball and Bridges, but no. It's not Splash Brothers. It's not Airbnb. It's Guns N' Roses is now in Memphis. Sorry, Drew. I got excited. <laughs> no, it's, it's great. I mean, it, it's it's hilarious, right? Like that we had the with the with the Zion news uh, about like his love triangle. We had Guns mm. and Buns. Guns and, and that, Buns. That was a good one as well. Uh, but Guns and Roses is too good, uh, and I think Derrick Rose is going to be very very helpful mm-hmm. to that organization. We've been talking about let's get some veterans into that organization. Derrick Rose, Marcus Smart, very, very solid players for them to bring into that roster. I think, uh, you know, Taylor Jenkins is a very, very good coach uh, that Memphis has. And I think they have done a good job of uh, providing depth for the suspension. Uh, Jaw is going to be gone for 25 games. And, you know, uh, Marcus Smart can can start and Derrick Rose can come off the bench. And then leadership, both of those guys, uh, very solid, very, very solid leaders. And I think a lot of organizations were potentially hoping that Derrick Rose would come to their team. Uh, like even the Boston Celtics, I think, would have loved Derrick Rose uh, as a, you know, a, a backup uh, replacement to Marcus Smart potentially. But he lands in Memphis, and I think it's going to be fantastic. Obviously, Derrick went to Memphis. Like, let's not forget, right? He had a great year in Memphis and uh, almost got them the title that year. And uh, so he has some roots there. I think Memphis is going to love him. Mm-hmm. Just a really, really great business decision uh, for the Grizzlies. Yeah, I want Derek to finish there. I think, again, like we said about Houston, adults in the room. That's what they've lacked. That's what they've needed. I thought a while back that I thought Carmelo would have been great to be at this before the jaw shit went down. I thought Carmelo would have been great to have on that team. Uh, He's now since, you know, retired and whatnot. Derek Rose, Marcus Smart. I mean, these guys are going to keep some order in the locker room, something that Steven Adams wanted to do but won't do. Maybe, Maybe they're the guys that, that, you know, will get through to jaw and just help jaw through this whole process. I mean, everything that, that Derek has gone through in his career should be super inspiring. It was nothing like what jaw's going through now, but it's really inspiring what Derek has done with his career. And I think finishing off in Memphis with a city that wants you with a team that wants you, where you can provide value, not only on the basketball court, but off the court is going to be huge for them. So I love the pay. I got chill saying it, man. I know Memphis very well. And I know that, 
that they are going to just love this kid. Uh, they're going to, every time he gets on the court, they're going to go crazy. If, if any, any, I mean, they were doing yeah. it in New York for him, for God's sakes, they're going to do it in Memphis. So I, a big move for the Grizzlies. I'm glad they did it. Yeah. Likewise. Uh, they did also uh, sign Bain, Desmond Bain, five-year, 207 max <gasps> extension for Desmond. He still has to tick a couple boxes in the next year to uh, make that a fully 207 mm-hmm. contract and not drop it down. Uh, but I, very good player. I, I think you got to spend the money on him. I, 207 feels like a lot, but I don't think he'll get there because he's going to have to do all NBA or all-star yeah. in order to achieve that. Mm-hmm. So it's probably going to be a nicer number in the end than 207 for Desmond mm-hmm. Bain. But you got to keep that guy. So uh, I think he's he's fantastic young player. Uh, Lamelo Ball also did get a five year, two hundred and sixty million dollar max extension, same exact deal that Tyrese Halliburton uh, got as well. Uh, but uh, again, similarly, he's going to have to make All NBA for that to be a uh, bona fide two hundred and sixty million dollar contract. Uh, and those are the big ones that I wanted to mention. Halliburton, Bain, Lamelo all get the super max extension. So congrats to those guys. Uh, and last but not least, I know I said that once already, but Pat Bev did end up on the 76ers. So I just wanted to finish with that. I, I, that was last on my list. Really nice little pickup there for uh, for the Sixers. I think Pat Bev will bring a lot to the table from them uh, for them. Uh, and I don't necessarily expect him to start. Uh, but, you know, when you have a backcourt of James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, you go, where's the defense? Boom. Right there is Patrick Beverly. You can start him if you want. You can bring him off the bench and, you know, kind of spell those three guys in a rotation. Uh, but certainly on ball guard defense is something that they lack. DeAndre Melton answered the bell quite well last year, but he is not the defensive uh, player that that Patrick Beverly is. So a uh, nice little pickup there. Yeah, I love Pat. Wherever Pat goes, I'm I'm Pat Bev's leader of the fan club. And Philly, <laughs> Philly's going to love him out there. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't break down all of my fifty. I still have quite a few left on this list. We're not going to do the rest of them at this point. They're all smaller deals. Well, you're really missing nice. one though, Drew. You're missing one. Who's my one? I mean, we haven't even I, I haven't even mentioned the Clippers' name yet. Well, that's what I was actually going to turn it over to you and be talking about oh. what the Clippers have done at this point because we did touch on everything else. You notice I didn't bring up any Lakers. No, but I think my final thought, Clips. I'm jumping the gun here, maybe, but mm. my final thought was going to be on the Lakers free agency. Uh, I'm assuming you want to talk about the Clippers. So is this going to be your final thought or you want to just break down the Clippers and you have something else for us? It's not my final thought, but I'll make it really quick. I'll make the the whole Clipper thing really quick. Resigning Russ for $8 million. I'm stoked that we did that. I'm really glad that he wanted to come back. Uh, I I think that shows that he wants to be here. I had mentioned when we traded for Russ, the, just the amount of support that he got from PG and the rest of the team. Uh, I think he wants to be in a place where, uh, he feels valued and we, where he feels that he can c- contribute uh, at his best ability. I'm glad that we got him back a full season with Russ. I want him on the team. Paul George just had a Paul, uh, podcast today with Tyrese Halliburton where he was talking about just how Russ was a culture shifter for, for the Clippers. Like the second that he came to the team, everything shifted as it, it, this whole other energy, which is completely opposite to what we heard, what was happening in the Lakers locker room. Now we don't know, all the stories of what was happening in the locker room, I can just tell you what I know from Clipper Nation uh, is we are stoked to have Russ back. The fact, yes, he's made $300 million in his career. The eight, It's not about the money for Russ right now. He wants to compete for a championship. He wants to be home. He feels loved here. Boom. Signing Russ, huge for us. 
I wanted to re-sign Mason Plumley. We got Plumley back for a year, $5 million. One of those contracts that we were just talking about, if you can get Mason Plumley for $5 million, you you take him. He's a great backup center for Zubak. Yeah, he did uh, great last year for you guys. I, I loved him. Okay. He's perfect for what we're doing. Now the KJ Martin thing. Uh, I had mentioned on the show months ago that we were interested in him. We liked him. We signed him. I like the money that we got him for. I think he brings young athletic legs. I, I hit his pops up, Kenyon Martin Sr., who follows us on the page. And he's very excited to come play in L.A. He's an L.A. kid, played at Sierra Canyon. Uh, there's something in my head that I see that I really like, which is this this Russell Westbrook, Bones Highland, K.J. Martin, like fast break, second unit uh, thing that the Clippers don't have because our transition wasn't really that great. We like to slow it down a lot. Now we have legs that can keep up with Russ that we need. So I'm stoked on that. It, they're not splashes. They're not major moves. I still think uh, we're waiting out this Harden thing. I'm over it. I don't want Harden anymore. Uh, I think the the value is just not there. And I know like a lot of people want us to get James Harden, but I don't want to give up Terrence Mann and Norman Powell for him. I just want to to keep this as it is. If we have healthy Kawhi and healthy Paul George with the with the members of the team that we have, God damn it, you saw me swallow before I said it, right? <laughs> if, I'm, if you if you guys were, were watching this on YouTube, I'm rolling my eyes. Uh, if we could just have Paul George and Kawhi healthy for one <laughs> season, I know it's a broken record, but it's facts. When 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 uh, PG and Kawhi play together, we win seventy plus percent of our games. So if that's happening, we don't need James Harden. Um, I just think it'll be a distraction. James Harden in LA is not a James Harden that I want. So I'm stoked on what the Clippers are doing. I think there's still a couple moves left. I'm sorry we we let EG go. You yeah. know, I liked Eric Gordon. I thought he was really good for us, but you know. Sometimes you got to cut some fat and that's what we had to do. So I'm stoked on the Clippers. I think we're more interested to hear. I'm surprised you haven't said Austin Reeves name yet. So <laughs> we got, we're going to, we're going to send it over to you really quick. Tell us how you feel that your Lakers did in free agency, man. Cause you guys, you guys did really well. I'm yeah. happy for you. Yeah. This is the first off season, uh, since we got Russ, right. Which the kind of ruined the last few off seasons for us. Uh, this is the first offseason where I'm like fucking stoked. I think we did a great, great job. Rob Palinka, hats off to you, my friend. Uh, really well done, especially with Bob Myers sitting out there. I think the pressure was on Palinka to fucking do some shit. <laughs> like, let's let's capitalize on what we were able to do at the end of last year. We had a fantastic run after Russell Westbrook was traded. We were like the second best team in the NBA. I think in the playoffs. Uh, we just got we got a little we got screwed over by the Nuggets being so goddamn good, uh, and um, we weren't able to get over that hump. But they were the champions for valid reasons, and I think we were the second best team uh, behind them in the Western Conference last year after we traded Russ. So best job that Palinka's done thus far as a GM is it happened this off season and really it happened within like two, a week and a half, <laughs> like two weeks uh, of him accru accruing everybody. So you mentioned it, Austin Reeves, that's the guy I was really worried about. A lot of us were really worried about what the hell was going to happen with him. And lucky for the Lakers, we got off the hook easy. We got off the hook very easy. Nobody even threw a, a qualifying offer at him. Nobody threw an offer sheet at him. I don't know why. <laughs> Makes no sense. <laughs> if you're the Houston Rockets and you're going to offer uh, four for 80 or four for 86 for Dylan Brooks. Why not throw, you know, four for 70 at Austin Reeves? If you're the Spurs, uh, all the other teams we mentioned before on, on this podcast, Utah. Like, 
none of them went in for Austin Reeves, which is just like kind of mind blowing to me. Uh, so we got Austin Reeves on four years, $56 million deal. Gorgeous. Love it. Love it. Love it. Couldn't be happier. Uh, we did of course, bring back Jared Vanderbilt. We, we uh, sn- snagged him for the last year of his deal. We did spill a little bit of cash for Rui Hachimura, three years, 51. Uh, but that's that's fine. That's solid money. It's like virtually the same thing as Harrison Barnes. Very tradable if we need to absolutely trade Rui. If he's not the same guy that we saw last year. If he turns out to be the same guy we saw last year, that is fucking piece of cake money. That is nothing. That is cheap for Rui Hachimura, Rui Hibachimura, playoff Rui. Uh, so we'll see how he starts off the year this year. But at, clearly he was reinvigorated by what the Lakers were doing last year and what LeBron James and the rest of the coaching staff and players was providing him as far as confidence goes. He played his best basketball since he was in Gonzaga uh, last year for us. So uh, a little expensive for Rui, but grand scheme, not that bad. The one that a lot of people will probably kind of shake their heads at, though, is D'Angelo Russell, right? Unbelievable. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, two years, $37 million. But that, to me, is solid business yeah it's a it's solid business and i was terrified that that was going to be the the trade piece for kyrie irving it was going to be a delo to massive money and austin reeves for kyrie irving that's kind of what i thought the lakers were going to do and i was very nervous about it luckily uh the mavericks offered him all that money and we didn't have to do that but we needed to keep delo and look last episode i said he can go and the truth of the matter is he still can go Two years, 37, very tradable contract. He provided some really solid value for the Lakers, despite how it ended in the playoffs. Uh, But that is his Achilles heel. D'Angelo Russell is when the chips are pushed to the middle of the table and we need you to perform at your highest. He has time and time again not been able to do so for a litany of organizations pretty much all of them along the way, Brooklyn warriors, Minnesota, and now these Lakers last year, he was unplayable in that nugget series when we really needed him to be there. Uh, so I, am I happy that he's back on the team? No. Am I happy that we got him for $37 million? No, but you know, got to pay him something, got to pay him something. And in order to get trade pieces back, uh, Rui and Delo's contracts, very tradable. If we absolutely need to make a move this year. Uh, but, of course, we did fill out the roster a little bit more than that. We got Jackson Hayes on a two-year deal, very small money. And uh, we got Torian Prince on a one-year $4.5 million deal. Awesome. Great pickup for us. 4.5 for that guy. I think he's a consummate pro. Uh, I think he, he provides wing depth. I think he can start in a pinch if we need to. Like If it's one of those things where uh, we're trying to rest LeBron or there's a couple other guys that are injured, Torian Prince, solid, solid player. Uh, I, I, for him, one year, four and a half, that's a great, that's a great amount of money for him, uh, for the Lakers. Of course, uh, he would love more than that, but for the Lakers point of view, uh, that's awesome. And we did also pick up Cam Reddish, a uh, swing for the fences. Why not pick up Cam Reddish? Wild cards, wild yeah. card, wild card, two years. And he is a shooter, right? I, you know, I still, I still would love to have seen a couple <laughs> other guys maybe <laughs> fall our way. Um, you know, I did create a list of guys that I wanted and I'll go through them quickly. Uh, we only got one of them. And this is the last guy I'll bring up. Gabe Vincent, three years, $33 million with the Lakers. Fantastic business. That's just awesome. And my hope is (laughs) probably not going to be realized, but my hope is he starts and that D'Angelo Russell is on the bench. 
uh, and that we start with Gabe Vincent and Austin Reeves in the backcourt or something like that. I love that. Uh, yeah, me too. Uh, but that Gabe Vincent three years, 33, that to me is like the steal of the offseason. And, and and I know he's probably not worth much more than 33, but if you're looking at Struess for four years, 64, I don't know how how Vincent would be much less than that, right? Like, I know he's undersized and you know, Max is is a bigger guy and in, 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 a, in a, a swing kind of a position, but uh, I think Gabe Vincent's going to fit perfectly into the Lakers roster. The one guy that I was hoping that we would get was Seth Curry, and we did not because I still we still haven't gotten the fucking just the like shooter. cash forty percent three point shoot. We do not have it. We still do not have it, and it bums me out. Uh, and Seth Curry went for like super small deal to the Mavericks. Congratulations, Mavericks! You got a great little pickup in Seth Curry there. Uh, Again, but it's like, right? why, why, why could, why would we not at least like you know try and throw something at Seth Curry? Come play here. We'll give you a one and one. We'll give you eight million dollars or whatever it is. Uh, you know, for the first season, and then it'll be a player out for the next. You can be a free agent again next year. We didn't get him, but my wish list was Seth Curry, Max Drews, Gabe. Gabe Vincent, Cam Johnson, Brooke Lopez, Kuzniang, and Watanabe. Only one we got on that list was Gabe Vincent, and I'm a happy fucking man. I think the Lakers cashed out. We're going to be very good next year as long as, as I'm knocking on my head with a fine piece of wood, as long as LeBron and Anthony Davis can play 60 fucking games, 60 games, not even 70. I know they're going to want to play 65 because that's what the threshold is for all NBA. So, But I'm saying if they can at least play 60 games. We are going to be in the top four seeds of the West, and we can we can certainly make a run to the finals next year. That's how I think. Yeah, man. Uh, I think you guys did great. I think uh, Palenka really did a 180 from what we Fucking were talking a. about him. He really has, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you got to give credit where credit is due. And these are these are good good players on good contracts. I love the Gabe Vincent pickup for you guys. Uh, I think the Cam Reddish is is a, another wild card. He has so much potential. It just has not worked out wherever he's been. Well, he's not going to play. This is the thing about Nah, he ain't going to play. He ain't going to play a minute. And we didn't re-sign Lonnie Walker. We decided to put that money towards Cam Reddish. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who knows? Maybe he will play. Maybe he will play because he can he can actually like you know learn from what's happening with the Lakers organization. We have some real veterans that he hasn't been able to play with in his career that are like proven winner veterans, uh, and we have for the first time in his career, a championship contending team for Cam Reddish. Hawks, no. Knicks, no. Portland, definitely not. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's this winning mentality. Maybe it's the culture that we have built here in L.A. could get him back on track, potentially. But he's not going to play any minutes. I just don't – I don't. A Torian Prince is going to play way more minutes than Cam Reddish. Yeah. Uh, solid, solid offseason for you guys. What do you give it? A, a, a to F. What do you give yourselves? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's an A. I, I don't want to say A+. plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we still didn't, we didn't, we didn't tick the, the 40% three point shooter. We still haven't ticked that box. Uh, but an A for sure. (laughs) I think an A for sure. And I don't know if any other teams can point out what they did and say that they did better than what we did this off season. I think the A is for Austin Reeves getting him at that price. Me and you, you had a cap at a hundred million. I said, I wouldn't go over 75. This guy gets four for 56. Unbelievable. Love it. Unbelievable. Nobody threw the bag at this guy. From top to bottom, man, you guys look good. I'm a, I'm a little jealous. You made a lot of good moves. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my final thought is going to be really quick, Drew. Are you done with your final thought? Yeah, we're good. Go ahead. All right, so my final thought is going to be quick. It's happened in the past seven days. I'm sure most of you listening to the show, just overnight, Instagram launches 
it's new Twitter, it's threads, right? Our boy, Jeff Compton hit me up. He's like, Hey bro, this is just launched. Make sure you get your, your, your name and make sure everything's handled. And I didn't even know what the hell it was. I haven't even heard about this. I had no idea that this was happening. Um, so Instagram launches threads. It's basically the Instagram Twitter now. And I was a little confused. I made sure that clips and drew got a page, made sure clips got a page. And I have never been a Twitter guy, Drew. You know this. The our, our two uh our two Achilles heels for us as a podcast is we do not do Twitter well and we're really working on our YouTube. It's just it's a lot of work, guys, and we're getting better at it. But Twitter, I've never been involved with. And um I it's just never been my thing. Instagram has always been my thing. I love IG and immediately fell in love with threads. I absolutely love it. Maybe it's because I'm an Instagram guy, but I love it. I love how we can engage with our listeners, with our with other NBA fans. I love the format and the display, how it looks. I just love it. And I just wanted to say that. So I would love for everybody to follow us on threads because it's going to be way easier during the NBA season to actually post, uh, you know, in-game stuff, releasing podcasts. Uh, cool videos. I, I, I'm just a big fan. And thank you for, I think we have like 500 followers, which is really good right now for threads. Cause I, people still don't even know it's happening. Um, we're only in day seven of it, but I'm just really enjoying it. So I would appreciate everybody listens to the show. If you're not already following us on threads, follow us on threads on IG at clips and drew follow at clips five, five, five too. I don't even, I don't know if you have one yet, drew, have you I do not. logged in? No, you better get your, you better get your screen name. There might be another drew the right thing out there. Who knows? So, who knows? But um, yeah, follow us. We're going to be doing more YouTube videos as well. But that's my final thought, Drew. I'm excited for Threads. It's just another way. I mean, it sounds like a clothing consuming. company to me. It it does. It does. But <laughs> it also is another thing that we have to do. And it's a lot of work and just more logging in, logging out. Make sure it's on IG and on Threads and on Twitter and on YouTube. It's just a lot of work. So bear with us, but follow us. So look, it's been 11 days since we dropped a podcast. We haven't done a two-hour podcast in a long time. So here's your content for the next five days. We just covered the whole freaking NBA for you. Everything <laughs> that's relevant, Clips and Drew just dropped. So uh, we're going to be back shortly. Follow us, like us, go on Spotify and and, and throw us a review. Go on a Apple Podcasts, throw us a review. I know our boy Goose dropped us a new one recently. So we appreciate it. Take the time out of your day. Like we just took three hours out to drop a podcast for you, but we're going to be back shortly. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew and we're Ghost. You know what it is, you know what it is.